I got friends only wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I've been reading all the work. And I've been shutting out the stars. Welcome to Put That Coffee Down, the Freight Sales Show for Closers. My name is Kevin Hill, here as always with Richie Daigle, and we're going to take you through the, the sales process each and every week here on Freight Waves TV, and today we're going to talk about choosing your words carefully, what not to say, what not to say to your customers, to your colleagues, to your bosses, to anyone that really matters, what, what not to, to, to say, right, Richie? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then also a little bit of what to say. Oh, and what to say, yes. That's always an important thing. What not to say, but what to say. And here in a few minutes, we'll have Connor Miller. He's a co-founder of Arden X, uh, freight brokers down in Jacksonville, Florida, joining us on the show. But first, let's talk about Surge Transportation. It's the fastest growing 3PL in the logistics space today. Based in Chicago and Jacksonville, they offer unrestricted access to almost all accounts limitless territory and a chance to be a key player in a growing company to find out more email jobs at surgetransportation.com once again that's jobs at surgetransportation.com so again you know email you know in the um, in the pandemic working from home kind of disconnected uh, from 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 the office a little bit we, we do more email communication right so we're going to talk about that in just a second uh, but first uh, you know, our thoughts uh, go out to, to everyone down in New Orleans and Louisiana and, uh, and, and Hurricane Ida. And that's uh, traveling through the, the, the country right now, but the, the most damage is done. And you have a lot of connections down to, to Louisiana, don't you, Richie? Yeah, yeah. You know, we were just talking about how we're, we're trying to remove talking about weather when we first start the show. But uh, sometimes it's appropriate, you know, and this is one of those times where I had one of these historic events. And yeah, I... You know, I'm a Daigle, and if you're from South Louisiana, then you're aware that us Daigles are kind of like cockroaches. We're everywhere down there. And uh, there's, yeah, there's a lot of family, and most of it's distant family. But, um, yeah, a lot of connections. We used to go vacation on Grand Isle. We used to go pull up crabs right out of the ocean, walk them out in big laundry baskets, and mm -hmm. just dump them in the boiler. You know, I have all kinds of great childhood memories there, and uh, certainly difficult to see the images coming through. Yeah, my first job out of college, I was an archaeologist, actually, and uh, I worked for a company out of New Orleans, did a lot of archaeology work down near Grand Isle, Lockport, LaRose, Lafouche County, uh, and, and also over near Homa, too. So it's, uh, it's great, great food down there, and Nutria as well, which isn't great food, but, you know, this the strange animal that just is in Louisiana for some reason. Yeah, there, there's a fun game that, that you can play called, uh, is it a traffic cone or is it a nutria? <laughs> there, there is one, it, my favorite one is I was doing an archaeology, I was doing an ex, excavation uh, near uh, Bayou Lafouche, and you can see the bayou right there, and we had an eight-foot eight alligator every day. It uh, used to, to swim by, and then a, a four-footer came by, and you know they're both you know sharing the same territory, which is never a good idea, but uh, one day you just heard all this ruckus, water splashing, grunts and gurgles, and you had this eight-foot alligator and this four-foot alligator biting over a dead nutria in the water. I thought and, you were going to say the eight-foot alligator was actually an eight-foot nutria, but... You know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe so, but it was, uh, it was one of the, my, my favorite sites down there. It was, it was just strange, surreal almost. 
Yeah, for sure. But I mean, you bring it up, I and mean, it's the best food in the country, in my opinion. Oh, it is. Yeah, Cajun food is is it is. Last last we heard from the people that we know, and mm-hmm. and the only reason we haven't heard from, I think, is just because electricity yeah. and cell phone towers are down. But last we heard, everyone was just cooking. You know, they're hunkered down for the for the hurricane. What do you do? You make an etouffee. <laughs> you make an etouffee. You just let the good times roll, no matter what. No matter exactly. what happens in life, you let the good times roll. That's a really good maxim for for sales too. No matter, 100%. you know, it's the last day of the month right now. I know there's a lot of pressure out there for, for everybody, uh, you know, out watching or, or, or listening. Those, those final days of every month seems to be a, a grind in cells. But you just have to have a positive attitude and let the good times roll. Le bon ton relay. When in doubt, make an etouffee. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to help you out about communication, about uh, professional communication today. It's all about that. We're going to start out with the emails uh, before Connor joins us here in just a second. Um, but this is from thesaurus.com. It's their handy picks and their expertise about what to write in an email and what to leave out. And that's what we're really going to concentrate on right now is what you should leave out. They have seven points here. We're going to move through these. Uh, the first one is overdone subject line. Mm-hmm. Right, Richie? What does that mean? All caps, exclamation points, question marks, you know, when, when it's okay to convey emotion, I think that's healthy, but use vocabulary words to do that. You know, that's, that's why we have this wonderful language that is the English language with all these kinds of words and dictionaries and at the source and so forth. That's what it's all there for. All caps and, and lots of question marks and multiple exclamation points. Those aren't vocabulary words. <laughs> those, those aren't. And, and I, I know sometimes you, you forget about it because you're in a TMS or, or some other system. And transportation is, is notorious about having these systems where everything's written in all caps. Mm-hmm. So when you switch from that to an email, take the caps locked off. Make sure you can't do that. Because a lot of times, I mean, all caps means you're yelling at somebody. That, that's what it means. It means that you're shouting at somebody. And, and people take that the wrong way. Yeah. You know, surprisingly enough, right? Um, emojis. Just don't use emojis, I, I guess. What it means. Or one emoji limit, really. Yeah. And what it means to you, it could mean something completely different to the person that's reading it. True. And we want to have clear communication. We don't want to have communication that's, well, I said or I meant this. Well, I took it this way. Now you have this big misunderstanding that's all because we didn't use our words. <laughs> You're exactly right. And this is one, the, the next one is one that I am so guilty of, and I just can't seem to break that habit. I try and try, and it's something I really do work on every single email that I write is just don't use just. Just is the, the, one of the worst words you can use, and I say it when I'm speaking, and I, I've, I've kind of gotten rid of it in my writing as much as possible, but it's something that I continuously work on. Justin, there's a few other words that kind of fall into that category. And I'm the same way where, uh, you know, I always, and, and the one good thing to do, I will say is before hitting send, go back and reread your email and yes. try to reread it from the perspective and the vantage point of who is going to be receiving it. Put yourself in their shoes and read it through that lens and then just listen to how it sounds. And you'll see that some of these words like Justin, you know, we'll not giving away too much, but hopefully, hopefully, hopefully it's the next one on the list, right? Very, 
uh, very, you know, the, the best of all time. Anything that's making something to, out mm-hmm. to be grandiose, um, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> it just doesn't. Uh, it, it doesn't. And that's, that's another reason why you should proofread is take out these specific words, but also to make sure it makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. if you kind of get lost in your own writing, and oftentimes it's a stream of consciousness, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's the reason why you go back and you reread it and you edit it. It's a continuous editing of, of your message. And condense it. And if you get to condense the end it, of yes. your email and you have, you know, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and, you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden you've written something that you're going to have to send off to like uh, editing before you, like an actual editor, go back and, I mean, condense it. Think about how you can take what you're trying to say and get it clearly communicated in fewer words. And that's going to make your messaging a lot more impactful as well. Always less words, the more impact, less word, less is more. Just, just think about it. Less is more. Um, the next one, slang or overly casual words. I, I know we, you know, it, it's freight and everyone calls each other bro. Uh, but you probably shouldn't, uh, unless you have a, unless your customer is calling you bro, call them bro. Context is huge, and yeah. context is something that can override some of these things that we're talking about. But um, yeah, you know, there are, those are exceptions and not the rule. It, sure. They they are exceptions, and not the rule. And the last one here is is one that's a little bit passive aggressive. I think is ASAP. You know, whenever you're you're telling someone, "I need this ASAP." Right, number one, what does that really mean? Subjective. You know, it, it's subjective, and uh, it's all caps. It's just an acronym, so I understand why it's all caps. But ASAP, I, I would I would stay away from ASAP as as much as probably and give it a clear timeline or, or what your needs are or or something. But just to, to, to start calling out people, uh, I, I need this ASAP. ASAP. ASAP is not it's not clear and concise. No, and ASAP for me, you know, I'm writing this email. I need this ASAP. I'm thinking I need this in ten minutes. And the mm-hmm. person that gets that email says, "Oh, they need it quickly." I'll be sure to get it to them next week. (laughs) Are they wrong? No, (laughs) because to them, that's their definition. Mm -hmm. And so like you've just made your own situation more uh, frustrating. Yeah, you know, use two or three words to explain why you need this right now. Mm -hmm. And as long as people understand why you need this, they'll make it happen. But just a a declarative ASAP uh, kind of rubs, can, can rub people the wrong way. Yeah, and what you're doing too, because you know, sales and customer service, all of this is managing and setting, you know, appropriate expectations. Mm-hmm. And when when you use something that's subjective and it's not clearly defined, what's the expectation there? How are you gonna manage that expectation? You're setting yourself up for muddled communication. Whereas if you can be more, you know, clearly defining the terms and the timelines then you are setting expectations and it's much easier for all parties to manage and meet and exceed those expectations. It is. So there's, uh, there's some tips for, for emails and, and really verbal communication as well. But certainly emails. We're going to welcome Connor Miller here. He's uh, the COO and co-founder of Arden X, uh, a freight brokerage down in Jacksonville, Florida, to talk about things you shouldn't say to your colleagues, your prospects, this is both verbal and email as well, but it's kind of on a, a different slant, right? It's more of a philosophical uh, t- type of, of language. How are you doing today, Connor? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, how are you doing over there? We're doing great as well. Thanks for joining us. It's good to see you as always. Um, 
But let's just jump right into kind of what we have in store. I'll let Richie start with the, the first term uh, that, that we're going to do. And this is from seven words and phrases that make people think less of you professionally. If you don't have anything productive to say, don't say anything at all. And this is from Inc.com. You can find it there if you Google that. But it's, it's, it's seven key terms that you probably shouldn't say. And we're going to go around the horn and basically buy or object to this. If you agree with it and kind of why you agree or why you disagree or why there might be a special circumstance where it may be appropriate or there might be a tag along. You know, don't say this, but, but what's the best alternative? So, Richie, what's the first one? I can't. I can't do this right now, Kevin. I just, <laughs> I, I can't even start. I can't. And, and yeah, the, the first phrase is, I can't. And uh, why? Like, you need, I mean, if you're saying you can't do something, there needs to be a reason. And if you're withholding that reason, you're not being transparent, and that can create problems. Give a reason. Like, hey, this is a problem because, or here is, here is what's preventing me. Like, Let's problem solve this as opposed to just hard no. Uh, you know, and, and maybe there are some situations, Connor, I'd love to hear your, your insight here and your thoughts on that. But um, yeah, I think there's probably some situations where it might be okay. But most of the times I can't is it, it, it brings up more questions than answers. Yeah. So I think um, there's a couple of things here, right? Because there's no context, obviously, with I can't and what we're saying here. And there could be a couple different things that are being asked to be warranted that response, right? So I think if it's something regarding something that you don't know, um, and you just literally can't do it because you don't know, your response could instead be, um, I've never done that before. And I don't know how, but I'd be happy to learn if you can teach me. That would be a good one as far as if your boss is asking you something that you can't do because you don't know how. Um, I think another one could be um, if you're saying that you can't, like like Richie said, because you have so many tasks that you have to do, you could break it down like this. Currently, I'm focused on tasks X, Y, and Z as those are the tasks that I've been instructed to focus on. Would you like me to pull my focus off those tasks and prioritize something else? And when you do that, you're actually putting it in your boss's court to make the decision. That way, he has to really prioritize and figure out what do I need done first. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. You know, it's I can't. Is you're basically throwing in the towel at him. You know, from from the story, you're it's like, don't bother me. I'm throwing in the towel. I just can't do this. Always have a solution. Always alternatives. So this is what we can do. Or maybe we can. Maybe we can't. But this is what we, we're going to have to do uh, to, to solve this issue. And it's all about problem solving. But if you just, it's a blanket, I can't. You're, you're throwing in the towel in this end of discussion. Yeah, and in negotiations, where does that get you, right? You if somebody not. says, can you give me this service at this price? And you just say, so, I can't. <laughs> exactly right. So, Connor, whenever a carrier uh, says, I need um, I need $1,000 for this lane, do you just say, I can't? So, I well, so it was a better kind of, response. I have a different kind of opinion on this, and we do it all the time with customers. We just have a different method of sales here. Um, we're not very pushy salespeople. We don't beg for business. We try to figure out the need of the customer, and if we really can't fulfill that need, we're going to tell them we can't fill that need. And we're going to be transparent because we find that the customers value the transparency more than just trying to make a square peg fit in a round hole. But you give alternatives, right? This is the reason why we, we can't would, we would, do this. We would we definitely give an this. alternative. 
Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of companies out here that pride themselves on being competitive on pricing and all of these things. And usually we actually pride ourselves on being more expensive because of the service that we provide. Right. Mm -hmm. So if a customer comes to us and says, oh, hey, can you guys meet this pricing of this individual carrier that's doing it currently? I'm going to say, no, we can't. And then I'm going to give them all the reasons why we can't meet that pricing and what goes into the work behind what we do for them. So the second word on the list is very. We talked about it in the emails. Yeah. And to, to me, it's just a, it's a lazy word. So, you know, I don't want to think about a, a really good term to use. So I'm just going to say very, I think we all are guilty of this. You know, everyone that, that uses the English language day in and day out, we say very way too much. What do you think, Richie? Yeah, I'm guilty. I've been guilty. Uh, and this comes out in Connor. I think you're going to uh, try to set this up for you here. But when I hear oh, we have very good service, Though that doesn't mean anything to me, right? But what is it, like if you're trying to convey that your service is actually better than the competition, tell me how, tell me why, tell me, tell me what sets you apart specifically, show that transparency because very is just one of these words that has a bazillion definitions, it's overused. And to your point, like it's, it's, not, it's not telling me anything, it's abstract. Yeah, so when I hear the word very, I usually just think this is such a blanket word to try to impose more emphasis on something than what it really deserves, right? And that's how I see it used every day. It could be internally with employees or with salespeople reaching out to customers. And we're not going to say our service is very good. We're going to talk about a case study um, with a certain customer. We're going to tell you about their experience and what they say about our service. We're not going to tell you about our service. We're going to let what we do speak for ourselves and also give you case studies based off of different customers. And... A word that, that is even worse than very is quality. Quality is the most meaningless word. And, and it's not on our list here, but I will add it to our list right now because quality is the worst word in the world. It means absolutely nothing. It's, it's worth, more worthless than very. Richie. Yeah, and then with oh, Barry too, the cus the customers don't want to hear about what you can do or how good you are. They want specific data and examples behind what you're telling them, right? If you're going up to customers and you want to get business just by talking about how great your company is, it's never going to work, especially in the era that we're in now in transportation. There's so much data and most of these customers are driven by that. So if you're not presenting actual facts and numbers, you're not going to get business. 100% quality uh, values one that comes up a lot. Value, uh, yeah, yeah so that's the, another one. And it's a shame because these words, these words can't be powerful, right? They, they do have meaning and there is an appropriate time to use them. But, but, and this is a big but, you have to be able to back it up with tangible, real world applications and examples to, to prove it out. You can't, you can't, you know, the hill that you're going to set your, your argument on can't be the quality value very hill. Well, I, I, th I think value, that, that's another a very overused term. And I think the only time you should really use value is at the end of a statement or you, you give the specifics of the value. And then that next sentence is, and that's how we provide value. Definitions, and here's the overarching theme here, the definitions are more important than the term because a lot of times these terms are defined in a number of different ways. And you just need to get out ahead of that by clearly defining what it is that you're talking about and what you're trying to provide. You do. You, you definitely have to, to get out in front of it. Uh, the third, third one here, that's not my job. Connor. 
COO of, of um, a company. So, uh, what, 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 what do you say when people come up to you, employees? That's not my job. I have heard this in the past. Um, I hear it rarely now. And I think a lot of the time that's not my job comes from employees who are being asked to do things beyond the scope of work of what they've agreed to do, right? And I'm actually going to speak to more of like the employee side and giving the employee advice when a boss comes up to you and tries to get you to do something that isn't your job, right? I would never advise you to use the phrase, that's not my job. It's not going to get you anywhere. There are far better ways to approach the situation than saying that's not my job. Um, The best way that I've seen people handle this is typically I don't handle those tasks. They're handled by blank person or blank department. Uh, Can you help me understand why I'm being asked to handle this instead of the department that's assigned to it? And then that's another thing where you're putting the ball back in the boss's court to ask himself or herself, like, oh, wow, maybe the structure that I have here might be a little off if I'm asking this department to do something that this department should be doing and they're not doing a good enough job. Why am I asking this guy to do it? Right. So that could be one thing for an employee. Um, and also, uh, if, if you, that's more so if you have a bad boss who tries to put things on you without compensation and stuff like that. Um, and they're most most of the time they're going to have no good way to explain why they're asking you to do extra work for free. But also with that question, you open yourself up for an opportunity because maybe your boss thinks you're more competent at doing that task than the person who's currently doing it. And then he can explain why he thinks you're better at it. Then you can have the conversation with him and say, OK, well, that's outside of the scope of work. If you want me to do this task, let's talk about a raise here or what am I going to be compensated to do this extra work? That's a very good point because oftentimes that is the case is you're being asked to do something because someone else isn't getting the job done. And you should point that out instead of saying, that's not my job. Richie, what's your take? Yeah, it's all about collaboration and problem solving. And that's what it boils down to. And that's what I hear, hear you saying, uh, Connor, is like, let's take a collaborative approach and think through the situation and kind of get down to the root issue. Um, and, and by just coming up and saying, that's not my job, you are walled off and defensive and not willing to engage in that problem solving and that collaboration. And that, that is a bigger problem. Um, and so it's, it's just something to be aware of. Yeah. It, it definitely is. And it kind of feeds into the, the next one on our list, which is I don't have time. And, and I think that's, that's the, the, the cousin to that's not my job, right? They're, they're very yeah. similar, right, Connor? They are. I think with this, though, it kind of depends on who's asking you. Um, if you don't have time to get something done that management is asking you to complete, I would recommend presenting your current task and asking if there's something you should deprioritize to accommodate a new task, right? And this goes back to what I've been saying. It puts the ball in your boss's court to make a decision, and you've made it abundantly clear that you're stretched thin on your current task, right? And then if you're using I don't have time as more of like a I don't want to do it right now, um, I would advise you not to do that. And you can replace that with more transparency here. Um, For example, if one of my employees wants to meet with me today, but I'm feeling really off and I don't want to do it, my response would be today isn't a good day for me. I've got a lot on my plate and I'm feeling pretty foggy. You deserve my undivided attention and I can't give you that right now. Do you have time tomorrow or another day this week? And from what I've found, the employees, or even if it's not an employer employee, the other party respects the vulnerability and the transparency more than the I don't have time. Richie? Yeah, you know, we're seeing a lot of these themes come up. And, you know, transparency is a word that's coming up. And it's another word that gets overused. But mm-hmm. I think here we have a good definition of it transparency in, in, in terms of clear, understood communication on both sides. Uh, and that's huge because 
you know, with, whether it's that's not my job, I don't have time. These are hard defensive statements where I am not showing my cards. I'm not being vulnerable and I'm not willing to problem solve or, or be collaborative with the person who's asking these things of me. So um, I think that willingness to, to fix things and move forward and find a solution needs to be at the forefront. And I think that if it's there, if that desire is there, uh, then these, these things don't come out. They, they, they don't. And, and it's all about negotiating. If you just go back to negotiating, it's, it's all about collaboration. It's mm -hmm. about providing solutions. That's what sales is as well. And all of these statements are, are very defensive statements that are, are stonewalling or, or not progressing to, to get to a conclusion or a, a solution. So uh, instead of declarative sentences like this or, or, or sayings, always provide solutions, always kind of pivot. Um, Connor, thanks so much for joining us today on, on Put That Coffee Down. How does our audience reach out and learn more about ArdentX? Yes, yeah, so uh, our website's www.ardentx.co. Um, if you guys want to follow me on social media anywhere, the hash, or sorry, the tag is just going to be real Connor Miller. And uh, just real quick before we go, I just want to interject here and talk about leadership real quick, because really all of these things are going to spawn from the top down. And if you're not creating an environment to where your employees are going to be able to feel comfortable approaching you and talking to you about these things, they're never going to do it. You're exactly right. Wise words from, from Connor right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, it all comes from the top down. And if the top doesn't accept uh, this philosophy, it's going to be very tough for, for employees to uh to, to kind of get out of the, those cycles. Thank you so much today. Thanks, guys. You back. So, Richie, what not to say. And now <laughs> we can start thinking about what to say. And it's all about providing, as long as you provide solutions or, or options or work toward a, a goal mm -hmm. uh, of a request that's difficult to you, you're, you're in good shape. And give yourself space, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to not be reactive in your communication. Right. A lot of people, especially in this day and age, if you're, if you're feeling a lot of stress, you have, you're feeling a lot of emotions, you, know, you, you can respond real quickly. These can be reactive types of responses. And so if you feel one of these responses starting to come up, pause, think about what's going on, think about what you're feeling, think about what might be driving some of those emotions and feelings that you have right there, and then be more thoughtful around how you're going to respond. Exactly right. So let's uh, let's throw into the sonar chart of the week. I think it has something to do with Hurricane Ida and, and talking about a tight capacity environment. That uh, how much of a shock do you think this is going to be? Yeah. So you know, the one thing with this uh, th this view that we have pulled up is here's a way to just kind of monitor everything that's happening in and around the Gulf Coast, right? So we can see what's going on with capacity constraints and inbound volumes, outbound volumes for those markets that are there on the Gulf. But, you know, one thing to keep in mind, and this is getting into the broader importance of having real-time visibility through a platform like Sonar, is that when capacity is already so, so tight across the country, a big major event like Ida down in the Gulf is going to be pulling a lot of capacity from a lot of different places all across the, the country. And that is going to have ripple effects all throughout the country in terms of capacity. So it's likely that we could see significant capacity, you know, you know, tightening events happening in geographical areas that are far away from the Gulf just because of how things are, the domino effect, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a very interesting next few weeks uh, to month as, as ca- you know, capacity is being used to get things back down to the Gulf to repair. Um, but yeah, all the more importance to have that, that real-time visibility in sonar. It, it, it is, and it, we can see the geographies and where the, these tightenings might happen, uh, how long it will last, is, I, I think the, the, mm-hmm. the, the real question uh, that, that will be answered over the coming days, really, we'll, we'll have a better idea once the damage and the floodwaters hopefully recede a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll see just how much that's going to be. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and you have other other factors, right? I, I think I read in freight waves today that there's the congestion in Southern California is just yep. continuing to build up. So you have more and more import. I mean, there's more and more pull on capacity, but an event like Ida certainly takes precedence. So um, definitely something we'll be watching. It is. I mean, buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride the rest of the year. It's the last day of the month. Go out and make some sales. Go hit that monthly quota because it's always important to the organization. So until next week, put that copy down. I got friends only want to talk business. I got expenses because when is expensive. I got expenses because when is expensive. I've been getting out of work. And I've been shutting down the stars.